Hello, friends, and welcome to episode two of Did You Bring the Hummus podcast. I'm Kimberly, your host, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. Did You Bring the Hummus is a podcast to help you go vegan. Each week, I'll share a 20 to 40 minute episode discussing all things vegan. Most importantly, we'll talk about how to embrace this meaningful decision with fervor and fun. Episodes post every Monday on your favorite podcast app. Before we get started, I have one very important question for you. Did you bring the hummus? So as I mentioned at the end of episode one, this episode would focus on finding your why. Determining why you want to go vegan. And then how to put that into practice. I have to admit that I had recorded a pretty cool um, interview, a pretty good interview with my husband talking about both of us, how we went vegan, uncovering our why. And we had a lot of um, interruptions from our eldest cat, Cookie. And then Cookie passed away on Wednesday. And I couldn't bring myself to edit that episode because it made me so sad to hear her meowing. So what I've decided to do was to put hold, put a hold on that interview with my husband. We'll get to it and uh, I'll definitely share it with you. It was a, a great episode. It was really fun. Uh, to sit in our dining room and, and talk about uh, why, he, why he chose to go vegan. But before I move into that, I, I do want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about Cookie. I adopted Cookie back in May of 2008. I knew right away that she was the cat for me. I was at a PetSmart and, you know, was was thinking about adopting a cat. And so I was in the, the room behind, you know, inside the room where the cages open up to with the volunteer. And she introduced me to Sugar Cookie. And she was this beautiful Maine Coon mix, but so petite. I always thought Maine Coons were these giant cats, and typically they are pretty big. But uh, Cookie was um, a very petite gal and just so beautiful and so adorable. And as she was walking from the back of the cage to the front of the cage to come meet me, uh, she tried to nudge the little wooden nesting area that they had set up in in her cage, and she missed (laughs) And I just remember thinking, oh, this is the cat for me. Uh, You know, I'm pretty clumsy. She's obviously clumsy. This is a match made in heaven. And I knew right then and there that she was my girl. I suppose looking back now, someone else may have been like, oh, I wonder if there's something wrong with this cat. Maybe she has a neurological issue. She can't nudge she seems clumsy 
Uh, but that thought didn't occur to me. I just knew right away that she was going to come home with me. And she did. And so I had her for 12 years. When Cookie passed away, she was 16. We had 12 really great years together. And you may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with this podcast? <laughs> and I'll tell you. If you live with an animal, dog, a cat, I grew up with dogs, never had a cat when I was a kid, uh, rabbits, and you know, just any pet, if you truly spend time with them and engage with them, even honestly, even if you, you aren't paying full attention to them, you will quickly learn that they are interested in things that feel good, that are good. They are not interested in things that hurt them. They want to avoid pain. They want to be loved and and cared for, just like we do. And when you can make that connection with the companion in your home. I think that makes it even easier to make that connection with animals that turn up on our plates. Don't get me wrong. Certainly, if you've never lived with a pet your entire life, that doesn't mean you don't have the capability to go vegan, to understand why we do this, why it's important. But I think having that personal experience, you know, can certainly push people. Um, that was certainly something my husband mentioned. Truly getting to know Cookie, <laughs> learning her little personality, her big personality, just like her mom, uh, learning her personality and just being with her that led my husband to question things. Having grown up with companion animals in, in my home, it made me question things too. Did I want to continue to contribute to suffering even if the animals who were suffering for my palate were not animals who would come share my home with me? My house is not big enough for a cow doesn't mean that she doesn't deserve a life free from suffering. So I spent 12 years doing everything I could to make sure that Cookie's life was full of pleasure and devoid of suffering. And that really is a huge part of why I'm vegan. As I mentioned in episode one, I read an issue of PETA's Animal Times cover to cover the day I received it in the mail. But that wasn't the first time I had had some insight into how animals suffer for food. I think back to, it's interesting because it also came from a magazine. 
I think back to when I was younger, nine or 10. I don't remember what magazine I was flipping through, but there was an ad with a picture of a baby calf inside of a box. And it said in big, bold letters, he only has three feet. When you read through the ad, it told you that that meant that box that this baby calf was living in was three feet by three feet. And he was destined to become veal. They put them in those boxes to keep them from moving. Because veal is really undeveloped muscle. You can't have a calf who is running and jumping and living his best calf life, you know, doing what makes him happy and not have him working out his legs. So they have to find a way to keep the calves from developing strong muscle. They need it to be weak. They need the calf to be anemic. So they keep them in this little box and they feed them food that does not nourish them. And then, you know, a few months later, he's killed to become someone's fancy dinner. He had interests, just like any other baby wants to discover what's going on in life, wants to play and run and jump. If you eat veal, you're depriving those babies of those very things. I hung up that ad in my bedroom on the back of my door. And I told my parents, I'm not eating veal. It wasn't a, a food that my parents regularly had. Uh, it usually was seen as more of a special occasion food. So I wasn't really at risk of my parents expecting me to eat it, but I needed them to know that it wasn't an option. But I continued eating animals for years after that. I had made a slight connection, but not completely. And later on, you know, I started learning about animal testing. So I stopped using products that were tested on animals. That didn't seem too hard. I was still eating animals. I hadn't yet fully made that connection. I thought that I loved animals. That I was compassionate. That I was kind to all beings. So when that issue of PETA's Animal Times came in the mail, I was already ready for the message. There had been so many points in my life where I'd thought about the plight of animals and not really done much about it. So I read that magazine, I read about that downed cow, and I made a decision right then and there. I wasn't going to eat meat again. 
And as I mentioned in episode one, you know, I was up sick all night, mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, and just anguish and sadness. And I definitely was physically sick too. But I got up the next day and I thought, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. You know, back in 2001, we didn't have all the vegan options we do now. It's so easy now when you think about, you know, food items and clothing, shoes, just uh, beauty products and um, places to go and things to see and stuff to do. All of it. There's so many vegan options. And in 2001, there were, there were not. I mean, of course, people have been vegan many years before 2001. So they've had even less options. Um, but for someone who didn't even like vegetables, I wasn't sure how well this was going to go. <laughs> but I did my research and I learned. I, ate, I lived off pasta for a couple of weeks. But even more important than understanding how to properly feed myself was to understand what it was that made me make this decision. Why? Why was I doing this? So I looked at my values. Who did I think I was? Who was I actually? Like I said, I thought I was a compassionate and kind person that I thought about the experiences of others before making decisions. And while that may have been true for the humans around me, the humans in my life, that certainly didn't apply to the animals who landed on my plate three times a day. And when I realized that I couldn't be the compassionate person that I thought I was, that it wasn't in line with that value of being a truly, holy, compassionate person. There was no other option. Eating meat just wasn't an option. And the more I sat with that, the less the things that I considered food before, the less they seemed like food now, understanding your why also helps you to face uncomfortable situations. You will find, especially when you're new and either not everyone knows that you're vegan or they don't understand why you've chosen to go vegan, they don't understand veganism itself. You will find situations where someone may offer you an animal-based meal or snack, and when you say no, their response might be, oh, come on, you can cheat just this once. It's not a diet. It's a philosophy that we are living by. It's not about removing pleasure from your life that you can then cheat and have a moment of that pleasure. It's about removing the cruelty 
It's about removing the suffering. Cheating would then be engaging in that suffering, engaging in that cruelty. Why would you want that? You don't, right? You've gone vegan for a reason. So knowing that reason makes it super easy when someone says something like that to you to say, no, I won't. I find that people even now, 19 years later, will say, oh, you can't eat that. Oh, that's got cheese. You can't eat that. It's got eggs. You can't eat that. It's not that I can't eat it. Of course, I could physically partake in the act of eating something, no matter what it is. It's that I won't eat it. And that language is so powerful. We have to remember our words. They have power. They mean something. When we say that we can't, not only are we saying that we are deprived of something, it tells others that we are depriving ourselves, but we're not. When we will not engage, you will not eat animal products. We're taking a stance. The meaning behind it, that's our values. That's our why. So much more power. Another thing that you might find people will say to you, oh, you don't know what you're missing. And that, re- that one really, it almost, it almost makes me laugh because so few of us were born and raised vegan. We ate animal products before. I've had steaks. I've had chicken. I've had, you know, birthday cake with eggs and milk um, and, and butter. I know <laughs> what I'm missing and I'm not missing it especially these days you know vegan uh vegan butters and I mean you can get really incredible vegan desserts get really incredible vegan mock versions of um any really like any animal product there's some version of it out there but Going back to that, we're not missing it. We know. And we stopped engaging. We stopped eating it for a reason. So we know what we're missing and we're not missing it. And that's the power. So coming back to our why, how do you find it? I know I've talked about values That was where it happened for me. There are tons of free resources online to figure out what your values are. Once you do that, that gives you so much power over the decisions that you make every single day. And as you uncover what your values are, as you see how they are in alignment with veganism. And look, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't already have some idea that your values are 
in alignment with veganism. As you piece that together, you start to create and understand who you are and how veganism fits into that. To wrap up our episode today, I want to share with you a quote from the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, who said, He who has a why can endure any how. Sit with that for a moment. He who has a why can endure any how. So don't worry. Don't worry about how to go vegan. Those resources are plentiful. They are everywhere. And you can find the support and the information that you need. You need to know anything from nutritional information all the way to the best makeup. What do I do with my kids instead of taking them to the zoo or to an aquarium? It's all out there. It's everywhere. You can Google any of it and you'll get that information. But it won't become part of who you are until you know your why. You can figure that out. The how of it becomes so easy. I do hope that today's episode has given you a jumping off point to start working on figuring out your why. If you have questions, I'd love for you to submit them to me. You'll find how to do that in the description of this podcast. I look forward to seeing you next time for episode three, where we will talk about that veganism isn't just food. It's about your clothes, your, the products that you use, the entertainment that you consume, and so much more. So we'll touch on all of that next time. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to bring the hummus.